Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show we're doing something we don't get to do that often, but we're always excited when we get to do it. And that is shine a light on a film from a local filmmaker here in Las Vegas. We are talking about Brandon Christensen's Z, which is a new horror movie out on Shudder. And uh, it actually premiered last year at the Sin City Horror Fest where we were doing our live episode of Piecing It Together on The Head, another uh, locally made feature. Although, uh, of course, Z wasn't actually made here, but Brandon is based here in Las Vegas. And uh, it was a, a, a fun, creepy, you know, creepy kid, imaginary friend kind of horror movie. And it's got some really interesting twists in it. And joining me to talk about it is film critic Josh Bell. We got a great little conversation with some really good puzzle pieces. And uh, before we get into that, I do want to remind you to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. And of course, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. You can follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join the Facebook group popcorn and puzzle pieces so uh you know what i'd say let's get into this one and before we do make sure you support whatever filmmakers are coming out of wherever it is you live because that's always an awesome thing to do so support your local filmmakers all right so joining us today we've got with us our good buddy josh bell josh you've been on the show a bunch lately haven't you well a bunch is Two, two times. This is the second time. Uh, well, that there's all in the last like month or two. So no, no. That's... You know what? You, you're you're mistaken, my friend. I uh, oh. we finally posted the Gretel and Hansel episode that we recorded so long oh, ago. So now it's going to yeah. feel like three times, and that is a bunch. Okay, I think, yeah. Three, I think three, three qualifies as a bunch. Two yeah. is not. Two is a couple. Three is a bunch. Can we? Yeah. Is that was that a a TV I, show once or something? I, I think that sounds like a real serious possibility. Yeah. Well. We are, of course, talking about Z today, and this, as uh, those of you listening who maybe don't realize this ahead of time, is actually made by a filmmaker from here in Las Vegas, Brandon Christensen, so I definitely wanted to get a chance to cover it, and you got to see it back at uh, Sin City Horror Fest last year, right? Yeah, I saw it at Sin City Horror Fest last year, and I watched it again at home recently to write a review of it, and it's a good movie. I think I was... Uh, I was impressed with it the first time I saw it and and again and I'm really happy to see Brandon Christensen someone from Las Vegas getting such wide notice and acclaim for his work uh it's cool that uh, as he's achieving this greater success he's still 
based here in Vegas, still doing stuff here. Even though Z wasn't, it was shot in Canada, which is right. where he's originally from. Uh, but still, he's definitely a Vegas guy uh, with a lot of local uh, connections to our filmmaking community here. And of course, brought this movie to a local festival. And I'm sure whatever he does next, will uh, get the chance to see it first here in Vegas as well. Yeah, I look forward to that too. But uh, why don't we jump into some puzzle pieces? I'm sure we're going to have some overlap here, but why don't we get to yes. your first one? All right. Well, I will start out with Hereditary, mm -hmm. the uh, Ari Aster horror movie that I don't I, you know. I probably have mentioned in if we if we've done horror episodes, I feel like I've mentioned it before. Yeah, um, everything that comes out now seems to be like you know inspired by this brand of horror. Yeah, but I think that I mean, especially now that he's getting more and more attention, I think it's it's fair to put Brandon Christensen alongside, maybe not quite at the same level, but but gearing up to the level of someone sure. like Ari Aster and uh, another filmmaker that I'll mention later. But these these recent indie horror sensations who make these sort of small scale movies and 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 move up the ladder and and get this level of critical acclaim. Um, but beyond that, is that sort of like the meta, you know, context of it. But I think as a movie, there is a lot of overlap. I mean, Hereditary is a horror movie that's very much about family legacy. It's about a mother who is dealing with uh, what is being passed down to her and then kind of from her to her children without necessarily understanding the full ramifications of it until she has to face it later on. And mm. that's very much what, what Keegan Connor Tracy her character is dealing with in this movie uh, something that's been passed down to her from her dad that we kind of we just very briefly glimpse that in this movie, but sure. clearly has been passed down that way and that she's then passed on to her son that she has to face in the, the kind of final act of this movie. And one other thing related to Hereditary that I noticed was a sort of stylistic thing is that there's there's a, a shot that I think occurs a couple times in Hereditary that's a very creepy shot where it's like an exterior shot and it's like in the middle of the night and then suddenly in like like a switch going on, it's the middle of the day. Sure, um, yeah. Which I thought was a very unsettling shot. And there's a similar shot in this movie with uh, like a sandwich that the kid is eating where it's yeah. like a full sandwich and then there's just the the, the flip and it cuts like a, a smash cut to uh, the sandwich having been eaten. And I don't know why, but for some reason that technique is really creepy. Yeah, it is. It's weird. It's a, I don't know. It just feels almost unnatural a little bit or something. It's, uh, right. it's good. I like that a lot. I think that's really fun when they do stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no, great, great first piece there. And I, I do think that Ari Aster's, uh, you know, his fingerprints are all, all over a lot of modern horror stuff uh, these last few years. But I think a lot of what you're talking about there makes a lot of sense as well. Um, I'll jump into my first one. And this is also probably one that I'd imagine a lot of reviews probably mentioned, but that's The Babadook. Uh, another movie where a, uh, you know, there's this, you know, force terrorizing this family and, you know, the, the, the creepy kid and the uh, imaginary, you know, aspect, imaginary friend type aspect. And, and then also uh, on a pretty, pretty surface level, I mean, the drawing of, of the Z character, very, very much like the Babadook character, I think in, in uh, stylistic choice, I would say. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, a good point. They do look very similar. And I feel like that image of the Babadook, or not the Babadook, of, of Z mm -hmm. on the wall, the drawing on the wall has been like the promotional image for this movie that I've seen in like so much of the press about it. So it's definitely being 
uh, being circulated. And I remember Brandon Christensen talking about at the screening uh, that I went to at Sin City Horror Fest that that drawing is actually done, I think, by the movie's composer. So that is a quite a uh, multi-talented person who can uh, that do is, both of those things. That's pretty cool. As a composer, I find that really cool. And also, there's <laughs> a there's a very uh, a very long history, I guess, of composers of horror movies doing other things because. Uh, you know the the composer from like the Conjuring movies is always the demon in all of those movies. Oh, is the one huh. wearing the costume and all that stuff. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't know that about the Conjuring. So I need to get think, one of those think, gigs. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> um. And I think they had mentioned. Um. I, I can't remember the story. Maybe uh, I'd have to look it up. But I think Brandon had also talked about how. They were, they, it was maybe a last minute thing. Like that's why the composer did it because they were trying to get something else going on and they couldn't. And that he was concerned that the, the picture looks too good. Like mm. it doesn't look like a child drew it. Um, but I, I kind of yeah. thought that contributed because like, yes, it does look good. It doesn't look like a child drew it, but it contributes to the idea that this child is like possessed and is able to do some sort of like disturbing artwork that he never otherwise would have been able to do. So sure. I, 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 th- I think it's cool. And I also had the Babadook on my list. Nice. Right on. Yes. Well, what else do you have on your list? What's, what's up next? Well, I'll just, I'll kind of stick with the theme uh, with hereditary of these, these kind of up and coming horror directors that I feel like are connection connected here. And the other one uh, besides Ari Aster that I thought of is Mike Flanagan, uh, mm. who is very prolific these days. Uh, sure. But the movie of his specifically I thought of was his breakthrough movie, Oculus, um, which is a crazy movie, uh, but a lot, a lot of fun. Um, but it also deals with this idea of the family legacy and something that is sort of cursed being passed down uh, from the parent to the child, maybe somewhat unknowingly, and the effort to counteract this cursed presence has destroyed the lives of multiple generations. So mm-hmm. um, I think there's a lot of similar themes here. And uh, and again, I think similarly to Mike Flanagan, there's a trajectory here, especially if you look back before Oculus, Mike Flanagan's uh, first horror movie that he made called Absentia is very much on the like uh, low budget level of these like early Brandon Christensen movies. And you can see like the way he's using those resources in a smart way that I think is something that Brandon Christensen does as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, maybe he'll have a similar trajectory, but I do think just on a, on a thematic level as well, Oculus connects and, uh, it's just, it's a fun movie. Karen, Karen Gillan, fantastic in that movie. I don't remember if I ever actually saw Oculus, but I always uh, mix it up with what's my next puzzle piece, actually, which is the Insidious movies, uh, which I feel like have like a very similar. This movie Z doesn't have a lot of like, you know, just the kind of jump scare kind of thing. There, there's a handful of them, but when they happen, they're kind of a very similar like a demon pops out, you know, kind of thing. And and I think that the uh, the design of when you're when you're seeing the, uh, the the demon-esque Z character, the real character, not the drawing, um, it, it was reminiscent of of those jump scare moments in the Insidious movies. Which, like I said, uh, I always thought of Oculus as like one of those, even though it's probably not at all, and I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, it's definitely not, and it's it's a different, uh, very different kind of thing. I'm not a big fan of those Insidious movies. The first two are okay. The ones that James Wan directed. And then it just got, mm. I don't know if you've seen Insidious 3 and Insidious 4, but... I'm sure I did, and they all just kind of blend together for me. <laughs> yeah, they're not. I think they might be doing another one at some point, and they should really have stopped. 
Um, but the, yeah, the first one's all right. And it also has, I can't remember all the plot details of it, but I think there's also something about a generational thing going on yeah, in those absolutely. early Insidious movies with Patrick Wilson's character. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Right on. Well, why don't we jump right into your next one? Uh, so my next puzzle piece is Wes Craven's New Nightmare, nice. a movie that we have uh, talked about on Awesome Movie Year. But yeah. that's not just that's not the reason. But it Josh's you know, it doesn't pick. Hurt. Um, my pick, yes, for our first season of Awesome Movie Year. Um, but there is, I felt like, and I don't know if this is on purpose, but I feel like there is one direct visual uh, homage to not to New Nightmare, but to Nightmare on Elm Street when when the mother character Keegan Connor Tracy's character is sitting. I think her name is Elizabeth. Uh, is is sitting in the bathtub, and you see her kind of POV of her feet. And you know something is about to come. And I always think of Heather Langenkamp in the original Nightmare on Elm Street where she's in the bathtub and then Freddy's glove comes up out of the tub. Mm -hmm. Um, But in particular, in New Nightmare, and New Nightmare is about, with Heather Langenkamp, it is about a mother who has to protect her young son from this supernatural presence that is invading their lives because of something that she did. And Mm -hmm. I mean, in New Nightmare, it's this whole meta thing about Freddy Krueger coming out from the the um the movie world into the real world but here uh again the the existence of z is sort of brought about because the mother believed in z and before that because her father believed in z and and the idea mm-hmm. too there that like believing in this fictional imaginary demon or evil presence is what brings it to life uh comes through and ultimately it's about a mother being protected and maybe sacrificing something of herself in order to protect her son from this evil presence that she is partially responsible for summoning. Yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. And I think on a, on another uh, side of that piece, I mean, I certainly didn't think of it going into it, but uh new nightmare, you know, is such a interesting twist on, you know, the nightmare on Elm street, you know, franchise. And I think like the creepy kid subgenre of, of, you know, modern horror movies, the fact that this movie, uh, you know, that we obviously do spoilers here on the show all the time, but you know, without giving it away in case we don't get to it, uh, the, there's a pretty big shift in, in the story, uh, towards the third act. And so just the idea of taking that genre and really kind of, uh, putting an interesting spin on it, I think is, you know, another way that, that, that kind of, uh, that feeling of what they were doing with new nightmare kind of applies. Yeah. And that's one thing I like about this movie a lot. I think it's like, it's a solid little creepy horror or creepy kid horror movie for those Mm -hmm. first two thirds. And then when it shifts gears, that's when it really gets interesting and really takes on its own identity. And, uh, especially that lead performance, uh, from Keegan Connor Tracy, um, who I like a lot and doesn't get a chance to do those kinds of lead roles. Often she really makes that, that work in the second or in the the final third of this movie. Sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'll go for my next one. Um, I'm actually going to combine a couple movies here. Uh, I'm going to combine both, the Annabelle movies and the Child's Play movies, because we get a fair amount of creepiness out of kids' toys. Uh, there's a, a lot of that going on in this movie. A lot of the atmosphere that helps sell the the creepiness is is based on just all of the, you know, of course, there's the, uh, the little typewriter toy that keeps speaking out Z. And then there's other, you know, little things throughout the kids' room that help to, to create that 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 feeling and that that dread that 
comes for some reason from kids toys, but it really does in these kinds of movies. Yeah, there's a there's good use of that that speak and spell or whatever it is that that with the buttons that says the letters out. It's it's very creepy and I don't know if that's a real toy that he used or if he created those sounds or how that works, but whatever it is, it's it's very effective and uh yeah, even just the the basic thing of like seeing a reflection in the closet that looks like eyes but is really just this little I think it's like a train toy or something. Yeah, like. yeah. Those small touches are very well done. And and actually, yeah, Brandon Christensen, I don't know how many he's made, but he's been making these little horror shorts like in quarantine with his own actual kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one that I watched uh, involves like a creepy clown doll and is uh, effectively nice. done. And of course, you have to realize that because he's just making those at home, that means he bought the creepy clown doll for his kids, like yeah. at some other point, Gotta and then decided to make a horror movie out of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, w- one last uh, point about uh, those movies in particular. Uh, I thought this movie had really great sound design. Uh, it does a really good job of, uh, you know, setting setting that scene with, with some of the the sounds that, you know, like we're talking about the speak and spell thing, but then just just in general throughout the house and, and everything that's set up, it's really good sound work. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And that's a big part of a horror movie, like why it works is just like even something in the background that kind of puts you on edge is uh, is important. Definitely. Right on. Well, what do you got next? Well, I mean, we've we've danced around the idea of this as a creepy kid movie. So I figured I got to bring up at least, you know, one iconic creepy kid movie. So I'm going to go with The Omen, which is uh, maybe the quintessential uh, creepy horror movie kid. Uh, I don't know. But especially, I think... um, as relates to this movie, even though, as we mentioned, there's there's the, the sort of shift and it turns out that the kid himself is really not evil mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, it's really this presence that attaches itself either to him or to the mother or to her father. Um, but for most of the movie, he is doing creepy stuff uh, sure. under the influence of Z. And especially there's that great shot in the movie where his he's at his friend's house and the friend like just plunges off the <laughs> stairs and like hits his head on the rail. And that's like a, such a horrifying shot, but it's really, really well done. And it's like, almost like it's like in the background. Um, and I think of, uh, there's a, I think maybe not exactly. It's been a while since I saw the omen, but of course the, the, the kid in the omen is he, he's Satan, you know, sure. it's Damien. He's, he's, he's straight up Satan. Um, but he causes his nanny to, I think, like jump jump out a window or maybe she jumps out the window and hangs herself or something. But I, I, I thought of that similar thing. And he's always just kind of standing there innocently as these terrible things happen around him. And for large portions of the movie, the parents are they don't know, like, is is this is our kid evil or is this a coincidence or is something else influencing him or whatever? And again. He's evil. He's Satan. Right. Um, and that's not what happens here. <laughs> a little um, but you do have a lot of this movie is the the question that the parents are wondering, like, is our kid really doing these terrible things or is something causing him to do those things or, or are they just coincidences or how is this happening? And that's, totally. I think, similar. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I think if I was giving this like a star rating, I would probably raise it one star from that moment when that kid gets thrown off the end. <laughs> that, that is was, a great like, That moment. was some solid violence right there. That yes. It really, I think I actually rewinded and watched it again. That just one moment when I was watching the movie this most recent time, because I was just like, and you could, it's like, you could almost not even notice it if yeah. you aren't paying close enough attention, but it's just so like shocking. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
All right. Well, since you went with the creepy kid, uh, I'm going to go with the creepy kid movie too, because I had to, of course, include another one. And uh, this is a very, very simple, maybe the simplest, most basic puzzle piece I've ever used on the show. Uh, And that is the movie Joshua, because the kid's name is Joshua. So... (laughs) Right. I go. haven't seen that. I, I had heard good things about that movie. Is it's it, pretty it good? good. It's one yeah. one of the better ones of the. Like I said, I'm not the biggest fan of like these kinds of horror movies, but it's one of the better ones of like the creepy kid horror movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have to. Was it Vera Farmiga who's in that one? I remember I Sam Rockwell's. Sam Rockwell's oh, okay. in it. I forget who the, yeah. the mom is. I think you might be right though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll have to, I mean, there's a lot of those. I, I was, I was sort of wondering, like, you know, which to include or how many should I include? There's certainly. Uh, other ones in movies like The Bad Seed or The Good Son that are not mm-hmm. supernatural, that are just like the basically the premise is the kid is a, like a dick, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit of a different one, but uh, right, right, and that's I mean, but again, you kind of wonder at certain points when he's like acting out at school, it's like, oh, is it just is the kid just kind of an asshole, or is is there something else going on? Yeah, they definitely keep you wondering that at least for the uh, first portion. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, what do you got next? So I only have one more because I had the Babadook too. Um, But uh, my other one is the only non-horror movie that I picked, which is Drop Dead Fred, starring Phoebe Cates, which is a comedy that I think I saw when I was like 10. And that is the last time I saw it. But Mm -hmm. um, it is a movie about an adult woman whose uh, imaginary friend returns to wreak havoc in her life. And it's done as a comedy, of course, um, which this is not. Um, <laughs> but I felt like that was that was a very specific kind of story that hasn't been told that much. But ultimately, that is what this movie is about, is that the imaginary friend and also the idea of like promising something to your imaginary friend when you're a child and not mm-hmm. understanding what it means. Like she says, oh, we're going to get married Z or whatever. And then she's suddenly in this horrifying position as an adult. And I think that's something like in Drop Dead Fred, it's not married or whatever. And I don't remember the details, but just like, oh, we'll be friends forever or something like sure. that. And then, you know, they show up when you're 30 and they're like, hey, remember when we were going to be friends forever? So uh, I think that movie is not a horror movie, but I think it might have traumatized me slightly when I saw it as a child. Uh, It's uh, like I think it's Rick Mayall, the British comedian from Mm -hmm. uh, The Young Ones, who plays Fred uh, along with Phoebe Cates. So, yeah, that was what I was thinking of. And the only the other this wouldn't be a puzzle piece necessarily, but there's a very short lived sitcom called Imaginary Mary with Jenna Elfman, which is about a woman whose imaginary friend comes back and, and causes uh, problems in her life. But mm. uh, that movie, or that that show, not as influential, or I don't think anyone remembers it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I haven't heard of that one. But uh, certainly it, Drop it, it, Dead Fred, though. Yeah, I think that show maybe didn't even last a whole season for like five years ago or something like that. <laughs> well, I will uh, just mention my last one then, which I think goes along pretty well with your setup there with Drop Dead Fred. That's Beetlejuice, um, mainly because of the uh, the, the mom uh, being expected to marry Z. <laughs> kind of, kind of <laughs> right. reminded me of that whole that whole you know situation there. But um, of course, that movie is so much more fun and so much more silly, just like we were saying with Drop Dead Fred. But uh, you know, just the 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 kind of troublesome uh supernatural character yeah that makes sense and i think uh you know you could tweak this movie in a way and make it kind of funny i mean if z z doesn't really you barely 
you know, see him as a character. Sure. But if he did show up and he looked like Beetlejuice or he looked like Drop Dead Fred, it would be a very different kind of movie. Yeah, that final act already is very, like, a weird tone shift, but, I mean, it could get really weird if they went for the comedy aspect of that. <laughs> yeah, it could. I think it's the right balance. You don't want this movie, you don't want it to get too weird because sure. it's, like, it's got this very clear, like, sort of slow burn horror tone, and I think even though the plot changes, it keeps that tone and it works well. Absolutely. Well, right on. Uh, let's do the finished puzzle, and then we'll get into some closing thoughts. Uh, finished puzzle for Z includes Hereditary, The Babadook, Oculus, Insidious, New Nightmare, Annabelle, Child's Play, The Omen, Joshua, Drop Dead Fred, Beetlejuice, and of course, we could have just sat here and named a whole bunch of creepy kid movies, but we won't do that. Yes, today. we could. uh one last thought i did uh want to mention and this of course would be way 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 too new to be a puzzle piece but i was reminded a little bit of uh lee winnell's the invisible man from earlier this year uh in the way that it just uses these kind of empty rooms where you just know something must be in the frame but you don't really quite know where to look you know and i thought that's an interesting technique to use uh to really kind of mine a lot of horror out of really nothing there you know right that's a great thing to use when you don't have a a, a, a budget where sure. you can just point at nothing and scare the audience that's not <laughs> easy to do and that's yeah. that's good so yeah i can see that lee winnell of course involved in the insidious movies so there's sure a, there you, you go know, connection there as well absolutely you know i think for both of us it's it's hard to go you know to sort of separate this from our excitement at seeing someone from the vegas film uh community have such a big success and totally. uh, so I'm I'm very happy about that. And uh, I think also, like I've said a couple times, Keegan Connor Tracy, who I remember all the way back from uh, Jake 2.0. I don't know mm. if you remember that show. <laughs> no, not um, really. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's she's done a lot of TV. She's a Canadian actor, and uh, I'm sure that's part of you know Brandon, who's from Canada, goes back and he shoots with all the resources that he can get there. But she's done a ton of TV and a lot of supporting roles, and has had a long successful career. But she doesn't always get to play a lead role, and so I just thought she really did a fantastic job in this movie. And it's cool to see her get that kind of showcase. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that it's around. I hope people watch it. I mean, obviously they have been, but I hope more people do. And if, if we have people in Vegas here who are interested in supporting our local talent, uh, I hope those people will check it out as well. Absolutely. Well, I think that does it, Josh. Uh, did you uh, see anything else recently you'd like to recommend? Yeah, I mean, I was just talking about uh, movies on VOD and streaming that get more attention than they might have, and uh, I've been writing about a lot of those, and I will mention a movie called I Will Make You Mine, which is going to be out on VOD on May 26th. Uh, it's written and directed by Lynn Chen, who actually, like Keegan Connor Tracy, is a veteran, like a character actor who's in a lot of small TV parts, but doesn't really get to uh, play a lead role. And not only is she the star of it, but uh, also the writer-director. It's her first movie as a as a filmmaker and it's a sort of sequel to a couple early movie earlier movies by a different director named Dave Boyle that I actually haven't seen uh, hmm. but it stands alone and it takes the main character from those movies who's kind of this scruffy indie musician and shifts him into the supporting role and it's really about these three women who have been his like romantic interests in the previous movies and how they're uh kind of going into middle age and dealing with regrets and and how they feel about him but also how they feel about their romantic lives and their careers and everything going forward. It's shot in this nice black and white. It's very reminiscent of the Richard Linklater before movies. Um, hmm. 
in it, but I think, you know, not in a, in a way that copies them, but in a way that also deals with like t- the passage of time and sure. how you relate to people from your romantic past after time has, has gone on. Um, so yeah, it's just, just like, it's like 75 minutes long. It's a nice little sort of sketch of a movie, but, uh, I liked it a lot. It's called, I will make you mine from Lin Chen and it's going to be on VOD rental May 26th. Beautiful. Well, uh, why don't you tell people where they can find your writing and uh, awesome movie here? Yeah, you can find me uh, at joshbellhateseverything.com, at joshbellhateseverything on Facebook, and at Signal Bleed on Twitter. And you can check out Awesome Movie Year wherever you listen to Piecing It Together, and uh, also at awesomemovieyear.com, at uh, Awesome Movie Year on Facebook and Instagram, and Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter. Awesome. That is awesome. Yes, it is. It is indeed. (laughs) Well, Josh, thanks as always for being here, man. We'll get you back again soon, I'm sure. Yeah, it'll be a bigger bunch. There you go. Lots of bunches. Yes. Hey, I'm Josh Bell. I'm Jason Harris. Hey, Josh, we're friends in real life, but we're also co-hosts on this new podcast called Awesome Movie Year, where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies and do a deep dive looking at movies, including the best picture winner, the biggest movie at the box office, future cult classics, and more. Including the biggest flop. And this season, we're doing 1994. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. That could be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. We're all over the web as well. Got Awesome Movie Year on all the socials and awesomemovieyear.com. So please like us, subscribe. And uh, if you do like us, give us a five-star rating because we love you. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about C. Make sure you uh, go check it out on Shutter if you haven't already. I think they're doing like a free 30-day thing because of the whole quarantine situation. So go sign up. Watch Z. You'll like it especially if you're into these kinds of horror movies. So uh, thank you, as always, for listening so much. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love it if you rated and reviewed us over on either Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Uh, You can, of course, also just subscribe wherever it is you listen to podcasts, share us, follow us on social media at PiecingPod. All those things really help out the show, and we really appreciate it when you do that. You can also uh, join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all these movies that we talk about on the show. And, uh, hey, thanks to Josh Bell for being here on the episode. Go check out his podcast, Awesome Movie Year, which, of course, I appear on and produce. But check out Awesome Movie Year, too, while you're at it. So uh, that does it for today. It's always great to be able to talk about a local film. Uh, but we'll be back with more Piecing It Together next week, more... Uh, movies to cover, all kinds of stuff coming out on VOD, on Netflix, on streaming, maybe even in the theater one of these days. We'll see what happens. But let's close this thing out with a piece of music as we always do. And I was thinking a good one to close this one out with would be a track from a locally made film here in Las Vegas that I've worked on. That works, right? (laughs) So uh, this is actually not a film, but a web series called Vitamin Z, made by a friend of mine, uh, Doug Farah. And it is a track called Escape the Horde that was part of the score of one of the... uh, I forget if it was the last episode or the... uh, I guess penultimate, is that what they call it? The episode before the last? Anyway, the track's called Escape the Horde. It's from this web series, Vitamin Z, that you can find on YouTube. Enjoy the track, and we'll be back with more Piecing It Together coming up real soon.
and All Points West. 